Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Amen. Thank you so much for your giving. Hoping my voice holds out one more service. Dealing with some allergies, but I've got a word for you today. I'm excited to close out this series on Covered. Have you guys enjoyed this series so far? Anybody gotten something from it? I hope that you have. I've said it before the series started. I I don't know that I've ever been more excited to preach something, to share something than this series. Um, It's been life-changing for me as God has been speaking to my heart and showing me things from his word. And um, the icing on the cake is I get to come and share it with you. And so we're going to close it out today. And I want to call this message um, Covered Through Counsel. And this is going to be a little bit different because we've been real high on angels. We've talked about angels helping us, right? They minister to the heirs of salvation. We talked about the fact that angels respond to the word of God, that we have authority over the angels, and that the angels are the reapers, that we sow, but God is the one who brings the harvest. And he does it many times through his angels, who Jesus said are the reapers. Uh, And so it's been highly spiritual. I'm spitting. Um, Highly (laughs) spiritual. I'm like, oh, man, what was that? Highly spiritual. Um, But today's going to be different, all right? (laughs) I thought of something a preacher said. He used to spit as he preached, and it would go like three rows deep. And he, he would say, that's just milk from Canaan land, baby. I mean, he'd just keep right on preaching. I'm not going to spit on y'all, all right? Not going to do it. But we are going to have fun. We're going to move from the spiritual side to the practical side. And this one's going to be, I, I preached it at 830, and then I thought, yeah, we've been whoop, whoop for three weeks. And this was the, oh, no. This is the tough one. All right, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is, this is probably the one that, that we're going to struggle with, but it can have a huge impact on what God does in our life if we can hear this word, receive it, move forward with it. Uh, the first thing I'll give you is, as a Christian, you have access to things that the average person does not. There are benefits to serving Christ. There are advantages to serving God. We know that angels fight battles for us. We can plead the blood of Jesus. We can pray a hedge of protection around our families, around our homes. I don't have time for it in this series, but but there is a blessing being connected to a local church, that there is a covering, that when you're connected to a local church like this, there is protection and covering over your life. And I'm concerned that this younger generation you know, they really don't get that. They wake up one Sunday and say, I'm going to try this church out. And they wake up the next time, we'll try that church out. Well, this Sunday, I'm just going to watch that church online. And, and, and what they don't know is that the local church is meant to be a covering. But it's only a covering when you're connected to it. It's when you're plugged in, you're connected, you're serving, you're in small groups, you're there every week. It becomes a blessing and it becomes a covering into your life. It's a, the, the, the ark that Noah built in the Old Testament is a type and shadow of the local church. He built an ark because the rains were coming. And the Bible says that the ark was for the saving of his house. And, and, and what you got to understand is while everybody else was drowning, Mo, Noah was on the ark completely safe. And a lot of people have an attitude of like, well, I'm not going to church because it's just full of hypocrites. Well, what you got to understand about the ark is, is that on that ark was a bunch of stinking animals, but you know what? They were safe. And I would rather be in the church with all the stink than out drowning in the world. There's a, there, there's a blessing Come on, hit your neighbor and say, get in the church. You got to get in. You, you, can't, you can't just, well, I'm trying this one and trying. No, you got to get, con- there is a blessing and there is protection in being part of a house. Now, let's, let's dive in. I'm going to tie some scriptures together and you're going to think, where's he going? And it will make sense, all right? You've been thinking that all series anyway. What is he talking about? Matthew chapter 10, verse number 40. He who receives you... I'm going to stop. He who receives you, all right, receives me. This is Jesus. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. 
We can't read this like some story. We have to see what Jesus is saying. He said, if they don't receive you, they can't get to me. If they don't receive you, they can't get to me. And if they don't receive me, they can't get to the Father. Okay? It's amazing how many answers to prayer we miss because our answers to prayer don't show up in the proper wrapping paper. We pray for things, and when we pray for things, we, we're like, God, I need help, and then God sends Joe. And we know Joe. And we know all of Joe's flaws. We know all the dirt on Joe. Come on, y'all. And we can't pull the treasure out of the dirt. Part of the kingdom of God is an understanding that godly things are hidden in ungodly places. That we are, we, we are dirt, okay? But Paul said this treasure is in an earthen vessel. And we get tripped up in the church because God sends answers to prayer through people, but we can't get past their dirt to extract the gold. We could go to the house now. Because we trip over one another's flaws, but the problem is everybody in here has got flaws. And if you can't learn to see past some of that, you'll never pull the treasure out of the dirt. The kingdom is, Matthew 13, 44, he said it's like a treasure hidden in a field. The blood of Jesus has covered the dirty part so that we can have access to the treasure part. How many know I'm a pastor, but I'm still dirt? And you got to get past my dirt to get the treasure. But if you only think about my dirt, you'll never get the, my, the treasure God's put in me. If I only think about your dirt, I'll never receive the treasure God has put in you. So we have to get past the dirt to extract the treasure. See, I, if I'm praying for an answer and I don't know how to receive people, I'm going to have a lot of answered prayers that pass me by. Like I, God will answer it through people and it's going to pass me right up because I don't know how to receive people. Jesus said... If he receives you, he receives me. We got a lot of people who say they love God, but they will not receive who God sends. If you don't receive the one whom God sends, you don't get God. Now, see, we're mad. You know why we're mad? Because we just want to go to God. Well, to get to God, you're going to have to go through people. We don't like that at all. But it's very true. We need one another. And we need to know how to receive one another. All right? Now let's go a step further. Verse 41. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. So if I receive a prophet or a righteous man properly, I will receive the reward that they bring with them. But it's based on if you receive. If you receive. Notice Jesus didn't say if they are holy, if they make decisions you agree with. No, he didn't put the burden on the answer. He put the burden on the one who needs an answer. It's on your ability to receive will determine whether you get the gold out of the dirt. I, one of these weeks I'm going to kick this, but I'm not today. I'm not going to spill the water. you you got to know how to receive people if you're going to get to God. The burden is not on the one God is using to bring you the answer. The burden is on the one needing a prayer answered. So let, let's make it practical. If I am your pastor, notice I said if, because I know everybody that comes to Bethesda, I'm not their pastor. Smile at me. You have to give me permission to pastor you. I can't just pastor you because I want to pastor you. You have to be able to receive me properly for me to pastor you. There, if, if God has called me to be your pastor, y'all going to be mad. The burden is not on me. The burden is on you to receive me properly to extract the gift that God has because I have what you need if I'm called to be your pastor. Now, if I'm not called to be your pastor, it doesn't matter 
But if I'm called to be your pastor, you have to be able to receive me. The same is true with the people in, that God has placed in my life. If I don't know how to receive the voices in my life, they have the answer that I need for my breakthrough, my next level, whatever it may be. But if I just treat them as common, I will never pull out of them what God intends to bring into my life. So you got to get past the dirt to get to the gold. See, we don't like that. We, where's the angels, Pastor? I can receive from an angel. I just ain't sure I can receive from you, sir. Mm -mm. I'm preaching better this service, by the way. Y'all getting better, better sermon. Matthew 10, 42. Whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly, I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. Y'all going to help me with this. Touch your neighbor and tell your neighbor, whether you like me or not, you have to receive me. Come on, my breath may be bothering you, but you got to receive me, baby. You, you may not like me, but you have to receive me because you're not getting to him unless you go through me. God's got some answer, and I know I don't look like much, but you got to be able to receive me properly, okay? We got to get past one. We have to get past one another's dirt. If we can't get past one another's dirt, we're always going to be sitting on the peripheral not receiving what God wants us to get, okay? Now we're going to tie it together. This is all going to come full circle, Proverbs eleven fourteen. Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Just in case you haven't noticed, we're not talking about angels. We're talking about you. Who do you listen to? Who's talking to you? What voices have you given access into your life? Let's ask another question. Do you listen to anyone? Because the safety is not in you navigating your own affairs. The safety is in objective counsel. And I want to clear something up. Counsel is not for the mentally ill. I grew up in church thinking counseling was for the mentally ill. And the reason I thought that is because I was a part of a small church, didn't have a lot of resources, probably didn't have insurance, and every answer had to happen in the altar. Every issue, you had to have hands laid on you to get it out. You got a marriage problem? Come here. I got oil. But how many know you can anoint him with oil all day long, but if they don't go home and love their wife, all that prayer done no good. And so I thought the mentally ill needed counsel. But I've learned over time, God has set it up in such a way that we need one, one another, and counsel is simply objectivity. It's somebody who's not impressed with you that can say the things that you probably don't want to hear, but that you need to hear. You don't need marriage counseling when your marriage is in a rut. You need marriage counseling to keep your marriage out of a rut. Every once in a while, even when your marriage is healthy, you need to get around some people that have a better marriage and let them speak to where you're at so that your marriage don't end up in a ditch. It's hard to discover the truth when you can't even smell your own stink. The gun's loaded, baby. I'm ready. The problem is, is we surround ourselves with voices that only say what we want to hear. We don't have any objectivity. Everybody that speaks into our life, they're impressed with us at some level. And you got to get past all that and find some vo voices that are not impressed with you at all, that's not partial to you, partial to your spouse, partial to what you do, but, but they just going to speak the truth whether you want to hear it or not. We all need it. And, and you need someone that, that can, can be that in your life. If you don't have that person, or that, those people, because it's, it's not just a counselor, it's safety in the multitude of counselors. It's plural. It, it's more than one voice. Proverbs twelve fifteen says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. You have to be receptive. And if you're receptive, there's a reward on the other side. 
It's really cool how God has set this up because God is saying, I protect you when you have the right counsel in place. When you're not afraid to have some people that are not impressed with you speak into your life. But if you do things your own way, God just called you a fool. Not, not Pastor Chad. God said you're a fool. If you only do your own thing and what you think is right, God calls us fools. Now, we're going to tie this. I, I know this is not, ooh, where's the angels? But we, we have to have this. If we don't have this, your angel can't even help you because you got to know how to receive people. All right? 2 Kings 5. We're going to tie an Old Testament story to what, to what we're dealing with. It says, Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria he was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. Everybody say, but a leper. All right, this is important. Look at Naaman's resume. In one verse, we find out he's the commander of the army. He serves directly under the king. He's honorable. He's a man of victory, and he's a mighty man of valor. How many know we all hiring Naaman? He's got it all. The Bible says he had all these things right with him, but, and everybody's got one. Come on, smile. Everybody's got one. Everybody's got that, but I have not seen anyone who was great that did not have at least one thing that was trying to take them out. If you're going to do anything great, I promise you the devil has already set traps to take you out. He is already trying to plot against you to take you out. Anybody who does anything great has at least one area where the enemy's trying to take them out. Verse 2 says, the Syrians had gone out on raids, had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, if only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. Naaman is this incredible dude, got a great resume, but he's got leprosy. He has a maid who is serving his wife, and the maid mentions a prophet that could help him. If I'm going, how many of I got to be able to receive a prophet properly, is what Jesus said. So she mentions a prophet who could help him to bring healing into his life. And, and so, and, and she's talking about Elisha. Everybody say Elisha. That's the prophet who she's talking about. Verse 9 says, Naaman, Naaman hated this. So it says, he went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. Now, that seems simple enough, right? It does. Okay, I'll go dip and get rid of leprosy, because if I don't, I'm dying. But Naaman became furious, and he went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over this place and heal this leprosy. Naaman is mad because of the instruction. He's upset because he thought this was going to look like a Benny Hinn crusade. Nothing against Benny Hinn. I'm, I'm just saying, that's what he thought. He's going to wave his hand. My leprosy will be healed. But the prophet doesn't come out and wave his hand or any of that. The prophet says, I want you to go down to the Jordan, the muddiest river, and I want you to dip in it. This is a five-star general. You want me and all my shiny stuff to dip in the muddiest river? He's mad. He's furious. Now, if you look at it, if you drop on down, it says, so he turned, he went away in a rage. And I love this. It was his servants who came near and spoke to him and said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? If he told you to do something that you loved, you would have done it. But how much more when he says, wash and be clean, so he went down, you got to love it. He finally, he goes down and he dipped seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God, according to the counsel he had received, all right? 
and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. The servants were like, did you not come here planning to do whatever it took to be healed of leprosy? I thought you were serious about this. You, you're dying. We came here to be healed. He told you one simple thing, and now you're mad. You're upset. A couple things we got to know about Naaman. Naaman is serving under the king, but he has a lot of people under him. He is sandwiched right in the middle. Everybody say, in the middle. In the middle is a healthy place to be. All right? In the middle is always a healthy place to be. Everyone needs someone that can jerk your chain, that can call you on the carpet, that can say the tough things. Not just we're leading people. Everybody who leads someone needs someone leading them. Okay? You, you need, in my early years of ministry, I had some older gentlemen that could yank my chain and, and anchor me back to my character. Now, even as our church has grown and we've experienced, and our church is much bigger than some of the ones that they pastor, how many of they still have a right to jerk my chain back to my character? They may not be able to speak to where we're going as a church, but they can speak to my character. Everyone needs someone that can ask you, how is your marriage? You know, we don't like those questions, do we? How is your prayer life? Are you being a dad? We need some people that are asking the questions that many times we're avoiding, but, but our problem is, is we always want to be the smartest person in the room. And if we're always the smartest person in the room, we're always the leader in the group, we're in a dangerous place because when, when we're in that condition, we lose objectivity. We lose objectivity. We, we don't have anybody that's not partial that can speak to us. And what happens is, is we become right in our own eyes. And it's dangerous for everyone to serve you and you don't serve anyone. The Son of God knelt down and washed his disciples' feet. The king of the universe was still serving people. And so we have to be serving. It's not just serving as in serving. We need to serve people. That we are serving one another. Um, everyone who leads people needs someone who is leading them. Let me say, everyone who is leading, who is doing anything, you need somebody that inspires you. Somebody that when they speak, when they, when, when, when they do what they do, it inspires you to be better. And a lot of people don't have anybody that's inspiring them. I want to say it like this. It's good to be around people that's not impressed with you. I know you hang out and everybody says you're awesome. And, and, and you know, I know mommy and daddy think that you are amazing. They are supposed to think that. That's what they're supposed to say is you're awesome and the, the sun doesn't even come up without you, baby doll. They're supposed to say that. But Psalm 133 says that oil flows down. I'm going somewhere. Oil flows down. Oil is a picture of, of the anointing, God's presence on your life. Oil flows down. Oil does not flow up. The problem is, is that we want to be around people that we are smarter than, that we are greater than, so that they can throw oil up and say, oh, aren't you awesome? Aren't you beautiful? Aren't you talented? We want them to throw oil. We want mommy and daddy to tell us that we're amazing. But I have learned that you are not great until someone who is greater than you tells you you're great. Not because mommy and daddy said so. Not even because the people who work for you say it. They just want your seat. Come on, y'all, smile. It's not, oil can never be thrown up. Oil has to come down. 
But our problem is, is we never position ourselves around people that stretch us to another level. We want to we be in the familiar of voices that only say what we want to hear. But some of us in this season need to be stretched. Our life has been messed up too long. We need to get around some people that intimidate us that, and understand that oil doesn't flow up. Oil only flows down. And I'm not great until somebody greater than me tells me that I'm I'm great. You're not great because mommy said so or daddy said so. You're only great when somebody who is not partial to you, not impressed with you, says that you're doing a good job. Then you can say, man, I, I'm on my way. But until then, you need to chill out. You need to get a new circle. If you're the smartest person in the room all the time, you're in the wrong rooms. You can never rise above the info you receive. You can never rise above, watch this, you can never rise above the level of relationship you have. I promise you, anytime God's ready to elevate you, one of the first things he will do is give you some new friends. He will change your circle. Because he's going to put you around some people that make you feel stupid. Some of you need to sit at a table that makes you want to shut up. Because they know way more than I do. But we want to be at tables where we get to talk. I got more time this service, so this thing's coming out. I didn't have time at 8.30 or 10. Sometimes, as a pastor of a growing church, sometimes you are the inspiration for everyone. Every room, I, I, there were seasons where every room I was in, I had to inspire. Every room I was in, I had to lead. Every room I was in, I had to be the one smiling and saying, we can do it. But how many, that's great, you need to do that. But how many know that if you are constantly inspiring, you are constantly blessing, you are constantly investing, eventually your tank runs out. Eventually you'll wind up in a room and you have nothing to inspire with because you've not surrounded yourself with voices that can do the same for you. And so the burden becomes... How do I get inspired as God takes me up? Because the higher I go up, the few, fewer voices can inspire or bless me. So the burden then becomes on me seeking out voices that can help me go to the next level because they don't just fall out on your front porch. As our churches, I can tell you this, and I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I had a lot more friends when we had 70 people than I do now that we have 1,000 people. Are you, are you following me? Because we'll hit this in a minute. We live in a world where everybody celebrates ordinary and we take target practice at exceptional. We want everybody to blend in a sea of vanilla. Everybody the same. Nobody's exceptional. We're all the same. The problem with that is nobody can ever be exceptional. And in the Bible I read, God separated some people and made them exceptional. They did incredible things. And you got to be willing to be criticized, talked about, lose some friends. But I promise you, if you'll keep doing what God has called you to do, he'll send you some new friends that will continue to stretch you and pull you up to the next level. Some of us need to drive around in a neighborhood that intimidates us. You need to be stretched in this season. Sit at a table with some people that make you want to be quiet. The problem is, is like spirits attract. Why do poor people hang out with poor people? Like spirits attract. You both have poverty down pat. Why don't you find somebody else to talk to? Obviously, you're both dealing with the same information. Why do addicts, y'all thought I was just going to talk about broke people. Why do addicts hang out with addicts? You both, you both already know how to be high. 
You got the same information. Why don't you get around somebody that ain't high and they still happy? They still love Jesus. They're loving their wife, loving their kids, serving God, and they don't have to be high to do it. We're having a tough time swallowing this pill. Come on, hit your neighbor and say, take your medicine. This, this one's tough. But listen, I want to drive around in neighborhoods that intimidate me. I want to sit down with businessmen that, that write million-dollar checks. You know why? Because I've never done that. I'd like to try it. <laughs> Come on, y'all. Don't look at me like that. You, you, you can't rise above the level of people you run with. And so if you're broke, hanging out with broke people, you're always going to be broke because you got the same information. If you're an addict and all you hang out with is addicts, you're always going to be an addict. If you're leading at this level and you only hang out with people who lead at this level, you're always going to be leading at this level. The responsibility is now on me. One of the things I had to do as God took us up is now I seek out pastors that make me want to shut up. So two times a year, I go hang out with about 20 pastors that pastor much larger churches, have much more influence, and when I show up and sit at the table, you know what I get to do? I get to shut up and listen and let somebody pour into me to pull me up to a level that I'm not there yet, and at every level, I am seeking that out because I can't rise above the level of people that I give access to. Is anybody getting this? I feel like preaching today, I'm telling you. Some of us, before I get there, I got time. Y'all mind if I just preach? All right, I'm just going to preach. The burden is on me to seek out people that inspire me. I I had to look around and realize that because of the blessing of God, there was a lot of people that I had passed that used to be the voices that helped me. It's not being mean, but as God blesses you, I promise you there will be fewer voices that, that can bless you. And the, and the burden will then be on you to seek it out. But what you got to do before you seek out those voices and before you go to the next level, Bishop Jake said it like this. He said, before you go to the next level, you need to deal with your butt. Come on, we already clarified. We all got one. You got to deal with your butt. What is Bishop Jake's talking about when he said, before you go to the next level, you got to deal with your butt? He, he's saying that the higher you go up, the more of your butt everybody can see. I know it sounds funny, but it's the truth. What does that mean? The higher God takes you, the more of your issues everybody can see. The more under a microscope you will start to live. And so if you don't deal with your butt, you're going to get to the next level and everybody's going to see it. But I have seen a lot of people have not been promoted because they didn't deal with their butt. And it wasn't God's judgment, it was God's grace. Because had he promoted you and you not dealt with your butt, you would have went to the next level and everybody would have saw your nasty attitude and that you don't operate in the fruit of the Spirit. It would have been out there for the world to see. I came by to tell somebody, go ahead and deal with your butt so that you'll be ready for the next level. And when you get there, you don't have to regret that you got there and everybody got to see your issue. I'm going to preach myself happy. We, we, we don't want to hear this, though. We just want the angel to show up. We just want God to do it. But I have learned that there, there's something I have to do from time to time. I'd love to tell you, just lay there in your spiritual lazy boy, and God's got you. But I'd be a terrible pastor if that's what I told you. We think sometimes that success translates into every category, but I've learned that success does not automatically translate from category to category. And what I mean by that is I know men who have been tremendous providers, but terrible fathers. Do you understand what I'm saying? They've been tremendous fathers, but a terrible husband. They treat their kids great, treat their wife terribly. 
I know women who are great mothers, but you don't want them near a kitchen. Oh, my God, I'm having fun. You know, the man calls and says, honey, don't worry about cooking. I'll get it on the way home. What he's really saying, really saying, you can't cook, baby. It's Chinese. I got it. Before you get mad at me, I want you to know that's okay. Success does not have to translate to every category. You can be a great mom and not be a good cook, and that doesn't take away from you. Okay? I'm not saying you got to be all of that. God did not call you to be good at everything. No one will show up in your life and be the total package. If you're single and you're waiting on the total package, I'm going to help you. It ain't coming. It, it, it ain't coming. Come on, hit your name and say amen. Amen. I know you love your spouse, but you know they're not the total package. Come on. You know when, when, when relationships come into your life, people bring positives and negatives. And the question is, is do I love the positive enough to have grace on the negative? Oh, I'm preaching today. Come on, church. Do, do I love the positive enough to have grace on their negative? Because we all got a but. Naaman was great, but he had leprosy. He had all these wonderful traits, but he's a leper. And I think he's a lot like church people. Because as a decorated military man, Naaman got to wear shiny stuff all the time. He got to show the shiny stuff. He got to wear the stuff that made everybody stop and be impressed with him. He didn't lose much. He had the breastplate. He had the sword. He had all of that. But every night when Naaman went home, you know what he did? He took all the shiny stuff off, and he was dying with leprosy. And I'm afraid the church is becoming like Naaman. We come to church, and we put on all the shiny stuff, and we go through the motions, and then we go home, and we're dying on the inside. And I think church should be the exact opposite of that. If you're going to wear your shiny stuff, wear it to work. But baby, when you come to this house, to Bethesda Church, a place that you can belong before you believe, you can take all your shiny stuff off because we ain't impressed anyway. You can lay your sword down, and while you heal from your leprosy, we got you covered. Come on, somebody. We will, we will cover you while you heal. That's the kind of church I want to belong to. I want to belong to a church that says, show me your leprosy. Because I know God still wants to use you. Show me your scars because God is still going to do amazing things. Because when you look at Naaman, I'm, thank you all for giving me time. Because I had to be done. The other two already. Like, you're getting stuff they didn't get. You're like, 1130, whoop, whoop. All right. <laughs> Being the exception, this is the one we want to post online, by the way, for those in the production. Because I didn't get it all out. I, I, I want this message out there. Being the exception means that you no longer get to blend into a sea of ordinary. And God was about to make Naaman the exception. The reason he was going to make him an exception is because everybody died from leprosy. Nobody lived. 100% of the people, you got it, you die. God says, I'm going to make you the exception. You're going to be the one guy who beats it. But the problem is we live in a, in a world that celebrates ordinary, and we take target practice at the exceptional. We live in a culture that is starting to despise success. When I said I had more friends at 70 people in our church than I do at 1,000, I meant it. Because a lot of it is just people that hate that we're growing. Well, he's compromising. He don't preach the truth. He's not, he's not called to the Lord. You know what it is? They don't like success. And so they make it target practice. All right? That will happen in your life as well. When God calls you to be the exception, some people will like it because you no longer blend in. The reason, though, that it's hard to be the exception is that you cannot be the exception and fight ordinary battles. 
When, when you're on the way to being exceptional, you're going to have to fight some exceptional battles. People say they want the, to be the exception, but exceptional people have exceptional warfare. And, I, I, you know, if you want to be ordinary and fight ordinary battles, that's okay. But ordinary warfare produces ordinary people. Extraordinary warfare produces extraordinary people. The little girl in this story that we read about is impressive because she's there when he comes home, takes all the shiny stuff off, sees that he's dying with leprosy, but she had the discernment, the ability to see his issue, but see that God still wanted to use him as well. She, she didn't trip over Naaman's dirt. And, and that's where we struggle. We trip over one another's dirt. How many of when somebody messes up in front of us, we never see them the same again? We start tripping up over their stuff. But this girl saw his issue, but also saw his potential. And I want to say those kind of people are rare that can see your issue and still see your potential. Where are the people that can see my dirt but still see the treasure? Where are the people that can see my leprosy but still know God has a plan, that God is going to use me, that God has anointed me. See, where are the people who can see from God's perspective? If you ever get an opportunity to assist what I would call a graced person, a, a high-capacity leader, a CEO, a business owner of a corporation, a principal of a school, if you ever get the opportunity to assist someone that, that serves at that kind of level, I want to encourage you, serve them well. Serve them extremely well. And I want to say it so that you can understand it. Know how to be quiet. Know how to be quiet. Your words, if you work close to someone like that, your words carry weight, not because of your title, but because of your proximity. When an executive is under suspicion, you know the first person they interview or ask questions to? Secretaries. They don't have a big title, but because of their what? Proximity, they're going to find out because the words carry weight. I'm going somewhere. If you work close to me, you need to know that you cannot rattle off through unthought information. All right? I need to be able to rest in the information you give. Okay? That's not me being difficult, but I need to be able to rest in that because if you work close to me, your words carry weight. The other thing I would tell you, this is just a personal pet, but you can't be negative around me. I don't like negativity. Okay? Check this out. The disciples didn't have a real title. How many know the word disciple comes from the word discipline? This was a messed up group, Jesus called. I mean, they are messed up. They got all kinds of issues, but one day Jesus shows up to them and says, who do men say that I am? And they went down a list, Jeremiah, Elijah, all that. But here's what we have to know about that. Jesus could have cared less what all of those people out there said because he got right to the chase and he said, okay, cool, but what do you say? Who do you say? Why? Your proximity carries weight. Your proximity to me carries weight. I don't care what all of those out there think or what they are saying. I want to know what you say because you walk with me every single day. I want to say this. If what some say changes you, then you're not ready for the next level. Because some say are always going to have something to say. You got to get past the some say. What the, you, you, listen, let me put it to you so you can get this. What people say out there doesn't affect me nearly as much as the people that work with me every day. Does that make sense? The people that are with me every day, their words carry much more weight than the critic down the road. Okay? It, it just does because of proximity. The maid said, I'm getting ready to close it. Hit your neighbor and say, please don't go to sleep now. <coughs> the maid said, if only my master could see the prophet, I know he could be healed. Like, that's, that's the worst. If, if he could get to Elisha, he would be healed. So Naaman, the mighty man, the commander, 
the guy of victory, who only takes orders from the king himself, has now heeded the instruction, heeded the counsel of a maid. There is safety in the multitude of counselors. So he takes her counsel, he gets on his horse, and he goes to Elisha's house. The problem is, when he gets there, he's thinking Benny Hinn crusade. I'll be healed. But when he gets there, the prophet, get this, i got to know how to receive. It's not on them, it's on me to receive. The prophet doesn't even look up doesn't even acknowledge that a five-star general is at his doorstep. He keeps writing his sermons, and he tells his servants, yeah, okay, cool, tell him to go dip. And Naaman, guys, he's ticked. Does he not know who I am? I'm a five-star general. I'm the commander. I only answer to the king. I came to his house, and he's sending a servant out here to tell me to go dip in the muddy Jordan. Who does this guy think he is? Naaman left in a rage, and the reason is because Elisha's response to him It hit the root problem. The problem was not leprosy. The problem was pride. His body was only reflecting the sickness that was in his heart. So Elisha did not make a big deal out of going out there and healing the symptom because he knew the condition of his heart would bring another sickness on his life. On the way to being the exception, there is always a detour that you can take, and it's called being important. Naaman so wanted to be important that he almost died of leprosy. He so wanted to be important. He so wanted to be somebody. He so wanted to be, I got to have the red carpet. Does he not know who I am? I want him to come out here and meet me one-on-one and wave his hand. But he sends a servant instead. He goes away in a rage. And you got to love this because Naaman wanted to be important and he almost died and it's his servants that say hey I'm confused I thought you were willing to do anything to be healed I thought you were willing to do anything if he had asked you to do something great you would have done it all he's asked you to do Naaman is one simple thing just go dip in the muddy river man let's get it over with and Naaman goes and he leaves that, that setting and check this out Now he's not only taken an instruction from a maid, he's taken the instruction of a servant. There is safety in the multitude of counselors. And so what does Naaman do? He walks over and he goes into that muddy Jordan River that nobody wanted to dip in because it was nasty. And what does he do? He gets low. If you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, He will exalt you in due season. So he got low. How many know that this posture right here, humility will heal your marriage? Our problem is, is we want to be right. We want to be important. God says, though, if you get low, I'll exalt you in due season. And so Naaman went and he got low. He dipped seven times. Scripture says on the seventh time, God's number of completion and perfection, that when he came up, his skin, which was covered in sores, now looked like that of a child. All because he humbled himself. There is safety in the multitude of counselors. If I will receive a prophet properly, I will receive the reward. If I will receive a righteous man in the name of a righteous man, I'll receive the reward. Jesus went on to say, even he who receives a little one properly, a maid or a servant, will receive a reward. Answers to prayer don't always show up looking like we think it should look. And if I misguided long enough, my heart will become hard and I'll think that I can do it all by myself. But God says, he that is right in his own eyes is a fool. But he who surrounds himself with a multitude of counselors 
is protected. I said all of that to say this. You are covered through counsel. Told you this was the heavy hitter right here. People on their way to destiny, this is the message they struggle with. Because we don't want to receive people properly. We don't want to have to look past people's dirt to extract the treasure. God wants to cover you, but you got to know how to receive people. Did you get anything out of this today? Come on. Would you stand to your feet? Stand to your feet. I hope you got something out of it. I'm telling you, this series... I could go 10 weeks with it. We got out in the movie, so we may have to come back to this. Covered through counsel. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I, I realized through that message that I need to invite some new voices into my life. If that's you, would you just wave at me? Maybe you just know I, I've been stubborn and hard-headed. I need, to, I need somebody to stretch me. Amen? We, we all do. That's where I've been living. Like, guys, I, I, I got on a plane. I was so desperate for this in my life. I got on a plane and flew to Tampa, not to get in the water, not to hang out at a mall, to go sit with pastors that made me feel dumb because I'm ready to go to the next level. It's that important to me. I got to be stretched. And if I'm going to stretch you, I got to be stretched. If you're going to stretch the people in your house, house, you're going to have to be stretched. How many are ready for their next level? I'm ready, to, I'm ready to be stretched there. But I want to ask you this morning, if you're in this place, as heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one looking around, i got to quit. we way over time. we way over. Y'all forgive me, right? God's time, I like that. God's time. If you're in this place, as heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one looking, you say, I need Jesus today. If you're watching online, if you're under the sound of my voice, all you got to do is shoot your hand up and say, I need Jesus, that's me. Would you shoot your hand up right there where you are? Say, I need Jesus today. Thanks for this hand here. God bless you. Thanks for this hand. God bless you. Thank, thank you for that hand. God bless you. Back here, God bless you. God sees your honesty. How many know God, Jesus, another one back here. God bless you. Thank you. Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us, right? He's faithful and just to forgive us. Let's lift our voice together. Everybody say, dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus, and I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. Today, I put my trust in you. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, celebrate all those people today. Let them know you love them. Amen. I'm going to let you go. I know you need to go. you got places to be. But before I do that, I just want to bless you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for every person, every family, under the sound of my voice, God, who's received this word today. God, I pray, God, in this next season, God, you would put the right voices, God. God, if we're living uninspired, it's because, God, many times we've not allowed the right voices into our life. God, I pray that you would send voices to your people, God, voices, lives of of people that can speak to us, that can challenge us to rise to the next level. God, we know there's safety in the multitude of counselors. And God, most of the time when you take us to the next level, God, you put some new people in our life. And God, we're open to being stretched in this season. God, I pray that you would bless these people, cause your face to shine upon them. God, bless everything they put their hands to. And God, we just thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and lives. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, one more time. Put your hands together. Thank you for joining us today. I hope to see you again next week, same time, same place. Have an awesome day. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.